all know it's true. I see that clap, Pedro. Love you. Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. Jesus said this to illustrate the point further. Now he's making a point and he's just told two stories. He told the story of the lost sheep and how the shepherd went out and found the sheep. He told the story about a lost coin and how the woman found the coin. And now he's about to tell a third story. It's the story of two sons. He, he said, Jesus told him this story. It's a man who had two sons. The younger son told the father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth. Notice this, between his two sons. He didn't just give the younger son his inheritance. Under Jewish culture and mandate, it had to be split at that time. So he had two sons. He had a younger and an older. The younger got one third. The older got two thirds. So he's telling the story of two sons. Why is he telling a story about two sons? Because he's talking to two different groups of people. This group of people, the Bible says, comes, and you can read this later in Luke 15. And the Bible said the group was filled with notorious sinners and religious leaders. Not just sinners, y'all, notorious sinners. Like some of y'all like to sin, but you do it without anybody knowing. <laughs> but if you're notorious... You proud about it, all right? <laughs> so it's, it's notorious sinners, but religious leaders. It's literally a prostitute sitting by a pastor, sitting by a drug dealer, sitting by a rabbi. And he's having this conversation because he's about to let them know, you are one of these two sons. And every person in this room is one of these two sons. And a few days later, the younger son, he packed up all his belongings. He moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money on wild living. Sounds like a weekend in Vegas. And about that time, his money ran out. It was 2006, and a great recession hit the land, swept over everybody. And he was starving, just like some of y'all were during that time. And he persuaded a local farmer to hire him, that pig farm out by Pahrump. And... <laughs> <laughs> too close to home? Okay, and uh, he persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him to feed his pigs. Now, this is Jewish culture, so we have a Jewish young man now serving pigs, okay? This is, in, in their culture, the bottom of the bottom of the bottom. And the young man became so hungry that even the pig food looked good, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and I'm here dying of hunger. I will go home. I will go home and say to my father, notice this, he's planning his prayer. He's, he's planning his repentance. Uh, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I no longer am worthy to be called your son. Take me as a hired servant. So we return home to his father. And while he was a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. But through the hug and through the kiss, the boy begins to try to give his speech. Father, I've, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to his servants, notice this, his father cuts off the speech and says, quick, bring the finest robe, put it on him, get a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, kill the 
calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. I want some of you to understand. You, you think, man, if I go to church, God might strike me dead with lightning. No, no, no. He doesn't have a lightning bolt planned for you. He has a party planned for you. When you walk into the house of God, he doesn't roll his eyes, shrug his shoulders and say, well, it's about time. No, no, no. He says, I've been waiting for this moment. I've been preparing for your arrival. The party began. And meanwhile, the older brother, remember, it's two sons. The older brother's outside in the field. He's working. And he heard music and dancing. Now, side note, I've heard music. I've never heard dancing. Like, I've been walking down the casino late at night, and you can hear the of the club. But I've never heard dancing. Y'all, this party was lit 100. Like, this is like, this is crazy. I just want you to understand this. So he asked his servants, what's going on in there? They said, your brother's back. Your father's filled, uh, killed the fattened calf, and we're celebrating because of his safe return. And the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. So his father came out and begged him. And look what he says, all these years I've slaved for you. You never once, I, I never once refused to do a single thing you told me. And in all the time, you never gave me even a goat to feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours, notice he doesn't call him his brother. When this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the calf. And his father said, dear son, you've always stayed with me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day. For your brother was dead and he's come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. One more scripture and we'll pray. Romans 8, 29. For God knew his people in advance. Notice that. Remember the last scripture said he was already preparing the fatted calf. God is not surprised you're here. He's been preparing his people in advance. And he chose them to become like his son, Jesus. So that his son would be the firstborn. Everyone say firstborn. Can you say it with a little more coffee in your system? Come on, say firstborn. Okay, so notice this. So Jesus would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Uh, One more time, the Bible said um, there in verse, let me find it really quick. Verse 22. The father said to his servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. I want to preach for just a few moments from the subject. No speech necessary. No speech necessary. Father, speak to us in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen and amen. Thank you. Uh, My dad was out hunting. This was about 30 years ago. I'm from New Mexico, so... Uh, don't be offended. We're New Mexicans are hunters and gatherers. Okay, so we, uh, so he was out hunting, and uh, it was it was dead of winter. He was deer hunting. It was. <laughs> you never heard that one before. That was good, right? And so, uh, so it's dead of winter. It's it's 20 degrees outside, and it gets dark really early. And he finds himself walking for hours, pitch black, out in the Manzano Mountains of New Mexico. And, uh, and he knows he's lost, and he knows he's in trouble. So he's walking and praying and praying and walking and walking and praying, going, Lord, 
get me somewhere. And finally, he, he turns the corner, comes across this ridge, and he sees a fire. And he goes, thank God I finally found my camp. So he starts running towards the fire. He rolls into the camp. He says, hey, guys, I finally made it. And it's not his camp. <laughs> and so the guys were very generous. And they said, bro, it's freezing. You need a fire. We have a sleeping bag. Sleep here tonight. And he says, no, no, no. I think I know where I'm at now. I remember seeing you guys. I know I'm just right around that ledge. I'm going to make my way. And now, now I know where I'm at. And they said, are you sure? I don't think you should. He goes, no, no, no. I'm going to do it. So he keeps walking, keeps walking. Hour, 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 finally, it's 2 a.m., he turns a ridge, and he finally sees his camp. And so, oh, my God, I finally found it. I knew I wasn't lost. I knew I could find my way. I knew it. I, I knew those guys didn't know what they were talking about. And he turns the corner. He walks into the camp. He goes, I finally made it. And it was the same camp. <laughs> true story. I'm not preaching. I'm telling the truth. All right? This is a true story. <sighs> and they started laughing, and he started laughing. And uh, he said, uh, can, can you spare uh, a suitcase, I mean, a, a sleeping bag tonight? They said, yeah, 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 you're in. And so he slept there. Now, now here's what's funny. The, the first time he was lost, he was lost and he knew it. <coughs> he was scared. He was a praying. He was a walking. He was a freaking out. The second time he was lost and he didn't know it. That's this story. Jesus is talking to two groups of people. One group is lost and they know it. They're prostitutes, they're, they're tax collectors, they're drug dealers, they're thieves. They're notorious sinners. They're not just sinners, they're public sinners. They, 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 they make their money on sinning. They're, they're lost and they know it. But there's another group, they're the religious leaders. They're lost and they have no idea. And maybe today you walked in and you went, I'm lost and I know it because I know what I did last night. And yet others of you might go, I'm good. I'm a good person. I help people. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not bad like them. I mean, yeah, I make a mistake once in a while, but, I, but I'm not like her. And sadly, maybe you're just as lost. <laughs> So Jesus tells a story to the obvious sinner and to the surprising sinner. <laughs> to the person who is obviously lost and to the person who is surprisingly lost. This is who Jesus is talking to and this is who Jesus is talking to today. Listen to me, friend. This is not a story about one lost son. This is a story about two lost sons representing two different lifestyles and they're both in desperate need of the father. Dr. Tim Keller said this, the purpose of the parable is not to warm our hearts, but to shatter our categories Jesus is telling the story to challenge everyone in that room and everyone in this room to challenge you about what you think about God, sin, and salvation. The story reveals the destructive self-centeredness of the younger brother, but it also condemns the older brother's self-righteousness. This story shows us that both the irreligious and religious can be lost, that both paths lead to dead ends, and that Everyone is in need of Jesus. And I, 
I don't want to shove the Bible down your throat, but you are at church, so let me just tell you, you need Jesus. And this room is not filled with perfect people who have never made a mistake. This room is filled with people who have discovered they need Jesus. You're not listening to a perfect preacher preaching a perfect sermon about my perfect life. No, this is a broken man who is telling you that without the grace of God, I can do nothing. Friend, I need Jesus. You need Jesus. We need Jesus. And the word of God is constantly pointing us in this story. It's constantly pointing us to our own need of a savior. And then he begins to tell the story. He says, there's a younger brother who goes to his father and says, hey, dad, I want my inheritance and I don't want to wait for you to die. I want it now. Here's what he was saying. Dad, I wish you were dead, but you're not, so I want my stuff. He wanted what the father could give him, but he didn't want the father. And friend, if you think anything or anyone can compare to a walk with God, you have grossly undervalued how awesome God really is. This young man wanted the blessing, but not the blesser. He wanted the gift, but not the giver. He wanted the provision, but not the provider. And I, I want to I submit something to you. Before he ever asked for his inheritance, there had already been a separation from the father. There had already been a lie believed that said, I believe it's better out there than in here. I believe that those people will treat me better than my father could treat me. In other words, before there was a physical separation of him leaving the home, there was already a heart separation. And maybe that's where you find yourself today, feeling cheated. But it's a lie. And this young man's about to find out. He missed out on the greatest blessing. Look at this on the screen. Because the giver is the gift. The blesser is the blessing. And the provider, it is the provision. Oh, friend, you're looking for all these things that can only be found in Jesus. Now, listen, just like the father in the story, our father is generous. Our father wants to bless you. And I believe you're supposed to be blessed. I believe you should drive a nice car, a safe car. I don't think your car should be held together by prayers and Christian bumper stickers. I don't think you need to live. Someone was raising their hand like, Jesus. Oh God, some of y'all, I don't think you need to live in a neighborhood where you're dodging bullets and praying no one robs you. I think you can live in a nice neighborhood. I, I think you can have money to pay for your children's weddings or quinces or anything else in between. I think you should say, oh, come on, how, how good is a quince? <laughs> if y'all have a quince and I don't get invited, consider yourself, you go to the crossing, okay? You go to the crossing. Because I'll be hurt. I'm just letting you know right now because I'm, I'm coming to turn up. Anyway, um, y'all going to hear the dancing. Okay, so, so I, wa I want you to have all that and so does God. But if you separate the American dream from Jesus, it's just a nightmare. Because you have everything. And you don't have anything but I got the house and I got the zip code and I got the gated fence and I, and I, got, and I got the car and, and I got money in the bank and I'm wearing the right clothes and 
Wait, what's still missing? What's missing is you've separated what God can do for you from God. But look how good God is. Verse 12, he gives it to him. Like, the kid could have said, I want my inheritance. And that father could have punched him so hard that his head would have been separated from his body. Come on, somebody. He could have. He could have said, you disrespectful, bless you. And then say, get out of my house. But he didn't. With a broken heart, he grabs his checkbook. He calls together his two sons and he gives one third to the youngest and he gives two thirds to the oldest. And he says, if that's all I'm good for and if that's what you really think, because listen to me, God will even answer prayers that you should have never prayed in order to show you how good he is and how empty the world is. Like if you want it, you can have it, but trust me, you're missing it. This is what happens in the Bible in Exodus chapter 33. Moses goes to God and he says, uh, God, we, we, you know, it's time to go to the promised land. And God says, you know what? Y'all go. Get your land flowing with milk and honey. Get your houses. Get your vineyards. Get your stuff. Get everything. Get the promise. But I ain't going with you. God had an attitude that day. And that's when Moses says, but God, if you don't go with us, we, uh, I won't go. And that's the cry of my heart. God, if you don't go with us. That's the cry of my heart for this church. Man, I want this church to grow. I want this church to prosper. I want this church to get bigger because I want to reach more people. But God, this is your church. And if there's ever a day that we make people feel welcome in this room and you don't feel welcome anymore in this room, I've missed the whole thing. Moses says, Moses said, God, you got to go with me. But how scary to enter your own promise. And God says, but I, I don't feel welcome. This is what the children of Israel did in 1 Samuel. They said, we want a king. And Samuel said, you don't need a king. You have God. And they said, no, we want a king because we want to be like everybody else. And he said, but, but, but trust me, that, that king's going to break your heart. And they said, no, we want a king. And so God said, give him a king. And it led to absolute destruction. Because God will answer your prayer. Not to harm you but to teach you. So he gives him the inheritance. And then notice this. He, he goes out and spends all of his money on wild living. And look at what it leads to. My life without the father. Look at these words that are found in the, in the passage. Distant. Wasted. Ran out. Famine. Is, some of you are looking at these going, that describes my life. Some of you are looking at that and going, that, that describes my marriage. Start pig. Some of you are going, oh my God, that's my boyfriend. <laughs> and some of y'all going, that's my girlfriend. Because she looks fine. But every once in a while, I hear oink. I'm just so glad you came today. I just, just, nothing like starting with an insult. Listen. 
Because, because sometimes it looks right, but oink. And sometimes you get everything you want, but you're still starving. And you're still in a spiritual famine. And you still feel like there isn't enough. And it still feels like it's ran out. And it still feels wasted and distant. And listen, this is what happens. This is what happens when we try to live our life without the blessing and the protection and the provision of the Father. We end up settling for instant gratification that ends up leading to that. And the Bible says no one gave him anything. And I would submit to you, no one can give you anything because what you're trying to get, they can't give you. So the great thinker, Jim Carrey, said it like this. No, not Pastor James Carey from the Baptist Church. I'm talking about Jim. I'm talking about Ace Ventura. He said, <laughs> he said, I'm talking about Lloyd Christmas, y'all. He said, that's only for the you got to be next level to even know what I just said. <laughs> Talk about Fire Marshal Bill, y'all. That's for my older, that's like plus 40. Like, yes, okay. <laughs> okay, anyway. Um. <laughs> I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so that they can see it's not the answer. And listen, so many people end up right there. They get their dream and they get their stuff. And they're still not happy. Maybe that's where you find yourself today. Most people don't show up to church because everything's perfect. Most people show up to church because there's something in their heart that says, yeah, I think there's more. Or boy, I sure hope there's more. And I've come to tell you there is more. But it's not found with the five senses. It's not found with what you can just experience. It's found in a supernatural relationship with your creator. And in verse 17, the Bible said he came back to his senses. Like something went off and he said, I, I got to get back. I got to run back to the father's house. And, and though that's awesome, and though that is kind of step one, like, okay, okay, I got to get my life right. Like, our marriage has got to get better. Like, we got to do better. Like, we need to get to church. We need to be better people. I need to be a better father. Okay, I need to be a better mom. I need to be a better friend. I keep burning people. I keep burning relationships. I, I, need, I, need, to, I need to go to church. Yeah, 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 I'm going to go to church. Yeah, I'm going to go to church. Yeah, there's one right by my house. I'm going to go to church. But that's still you trying to earn it. Because that's what he's about to do. Because he goes, I'm going back to dad's house. I better write down a speech. So he puts a little note on his palm just to make sure, father, I don't want to call him dad. I don't want to get, I don't want to get, I need to keep it formal. Father, I've sinned against heaven and you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even want to be a servant. I'll be a hired servant. Because in Bible days, there were servants and hired servants. Servants lived in the house. But hired servants came in and out every day. He goes, Dad, I don't even need to live at the house. I'll just take any job I can get. I'll just, I'll just be, I'll just kind of work my way in. 
Like, I know you're not gonna like me right away and I know you're frustrated with me, but God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show up at 6 a.m. and I'm gonna serve, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna help pack in this place. And then God, in the, in the middle of summer at 1245, I'm gonna make sure to be tearing down because, because you know, I just, God, you know, I'm just, I don't, even, I don't even need to be called a son yet. I'll just be a servant and I don't even have to be a house servant. I'll just be a hired servant. If, if, if you would just kind of let me back in and he goes and he starts walking towards the home. And if you can imagine, he's planning his speech. He's planning his prayer. He's planning what he's gonna do. He's planning how he's gonna say it. And as he's walking through the formalities of forgiveness, the father sees him. He didn't see the father because he wasn't looking for the father. (laughs) But the father was looking for him and the Bible says the father wasn't sitting in his den somewhere. The father was out on the front porch looking. Looking. I know he's coming back. 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 And he's looking and he's looking and he's looking. And the Bible says when he was still a far way off, he saw him. And then the Bible says he starts running. Now, not a big day, not a big deal today in in today's culture. But in Middle Eastern culture, men never ran. It was a sign of weakness. So they never ran. And number two, I don't know if you know this, but 2,000 years ago, they weren't wearing Nike running shorts. <laughs> they were wearing big robes. So to run, you had to pick up the robe and tuck it under. So now your whitey tidies are exposed. Come on, somebody. He's running, legs, exp- this is as shameful as you can get as a father. But he takes the shame. (laughs) He exposes himself in embarrassment and he starts running down the street for his son. And then the Bible says he starts hugging his son and kissing his son and celebrating his son. And and the son goes, oh, oh, father, 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 I got got something to say. Um, I have sinned against you and heaven, and I'm not worthy. And as the son is trying to share his little prayer, his little cute little thing, the father interrupts him and says, quick. No speech necessary. Because grace is quick. And mercy is quick. And, and, and God doesn't need you to prove anything for three months before he'll forgive you or six months before he'll forgive you or you need a tithe for a year and then I'll like you or you need to treat them better and then maybe I'll think about it and you need to stop watching that. or li- No, no, no. It is a quick work. It is an eternal work. It is a powerful work. It's called grace. There's nothing you could do to earn it, to deserve it. It is actually wild. It is reckless. It is crazy. It makes no sense to our human brain. You don't have to pay penance or prove your repentance. All you have to do is get in the proximity of the Father and the Father will clothe you and the Father will put a ring on your finger and the Father will put sandals on your feet and the Father will feed you. That's what he wants to do today. Yeah, is God going to change you over a long period? Absolutely. 
but does he receive you quickly? Absolutely. Some of you only go to church because in your mind you're trying to kiss the ring, pay him back. He's not God the Father, he's the God Father. And friend, you don't have to live with that. So there's a celebration. And now the older brother is ticked. You know you're religious. If you're a party pooper. <laughs> you, you know you're religious if you're frustrated with another person's favor. Well, where... Oh, I, I, Jabin, I... I've been serving every Sunday. I, I, I was going to the Monday night serve team meetings. I, I, I've, been, I've been here for a year. You, and, and, and you're going to let them do that? And you're going to let them share? And you're not going to let... Yeah, but, I, but I've earned this. But I've been slaving for you. But I've been... God, why are you why are you blessing them? I've I've been I've been single for five years. I've been I've been praying for my for five years, and I and all this, and they just walk into church, and on week one they find their special someone, and you and and it's and it's funny, but it's not funny because some of you some of you it may it may be. But God, we've been believing for a baby for years and we've been, and we've been trying and we've been going to tests and we've been doing this and we've been doing that and we've been believing and then this girl sleeps with a guy one time and they have a one night stand. Is she pregnant? And it hurts, but it really reveals something and I'm not insulting you. I'm telling you it reveals that you still think this thing is about works. So the great Tim Keller said it like this. The religious believe that when they do bad, they owe God. We got to get to church early. We got to get to get church early. I got to sit down. I got to pray. I got to repent before we start worship. I just got to make things right because give a couple more bucks, honey, in the offering. I just, yeah. And you know it's the truth. And especially my Hispanic brothers and sisters, you know it's the truth. It's like you're not even Catholic anymore, but you're still like, just in case, Jesus, just whatever. <laughs> Hail Mary, whatever. I, I, <laughs> our Father. And you know it's the truth. Because it, it's ingrained in us. Y'all going, us? Yes. Chavez, ese. <laughs> what do you think? But don't speak to me in Spanish after because I'm going to lie, right? I'm going to go, ah, oh, si, sí. oh, oh, yeah, man. Oh. Ay, Dios mío. No, no, a thing you're saying. But it's in us, but it's in us because, because we, have, we still have a religious thing in us from hundreds and hundreds of years of Catholicism. And some of you, it might be generations of Mormonism. And others, I don't know what it is, but it's your own moral law that you've set up that says, if I do bad, I owe God. But here's the real problem. The real problem is when you do good, you think God owes you. Oh, and what a life of disappointment. Oh, but how free it is to go, I made a mistake, and there's nothing I can do about it. Grace. Oh, man, and I've been doing good. 
And there's nothing I did to deserve this goodness that I've been walking in. Grace. So when I fall, I thank God. And when I rise, I thank God. Because in my falling, he doesn't give up on me. And in my rising, it wasn't me anyway. But see, the older brother's angry. But did you notice parable one, the shepherd finds the sheep? Did you notice parable two, the woman finds the coin? But in parable three, no one finds the son. See, because under Jewish culture, now that the father has given up his money, he no longer has the money for the search and rescue mission because it's no longer his, it's his. So the father can't go seek the son because he's bankrupt. So it's the older brother's responsibility with his inheritance to go find the younger brother. Cain said it like this, am I my brother's keeper? And God says, absolutely. Because whatever the father could not do, it was on the oldest brother's shoulders to do. So the older brother should have went out and found his younger brother. And you go, that is so stupid. That is so irresponsible. It's not the older brother's fault. It's the younger brother's fault. That's his inheritance. That's his money. He doesn't, have, that, would be, that would be stupid. That would be irresponsible. That would be, that would be crazy. That would be reckless. What older brother would give up his own inheritance to find the younger brother? Romans 8, 29. Our older brother, Jesus. See, when the parable ends... It ends awkwardly. It doesn't end with resolve the way the other stories did. It didn't end in the way that Jewish men would tell stories that would always end on an up and would always end with a sigh of relief and always end with the hero doing what the hero was supposed to do. This story ends with drama. This story ends with, with a comma. This story ends with the father and the older brother never reconciled. This story ends with the older brother never coming into the house. And as the story ends, you can almost imagine the problem prostitute and the priest. You can almost imagine the drug dealer and the pastor looking and going, but what about the older brother? Where is the older brother? Jesus said, what he did not do, you're going to see me do. Because I'm going to go to a tree and you're going to crucify me. And I'm going to pay the price as the older brother. I'm going to leave my home and come to a distant land. I'm going to leave my inheritance and I'm going to spend it on you. Righteousness is going to become sin so that sin could become righteousness. Prosperity is going to become poverty on the cross so that poverty can receive prosperity. I'm gonna take your sickness on my back 
so that the sick can be healed. This is the great exchange. The older brother finally leaves the house and he goes and he grabs the younger brother. But where religion failed to restore the sinner, where those priests that were on that front row failed to restore the younger brother as that priest wouldn't even be caught sitting next to the prostitute, as that pastor wouldn't even look at that tax collector. He says, you're missing it. Religion always misses it. But I'm going to come, and I'm going to take your place, and I'm going to pay your debt, and I'm going to do what you could not do and what you refused to do. This is grace. No doubt the father would have looked at his oldest son and said, do you, do you want to go find him? And he said, absolutely not. But one day the father looked to the son and said, do you want to go find him? And Jesus said, absolutely. So he took on a dirt suit, flesh. And for 33 years... He searched, and for 33 years, he looked, and for 33 years, he found, and for 33 years, he called to the younger brothers, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light, and for 33 years, he healed his younger brother, and for 33 years, he raised the younger brothers from the dead, and for 33 years, he he ministered, and he taught, and he preached the word, and he helped, and he served, and then after those three awesome years of ministry, It was time to pay the price. And on the cross, Jesus did what religion cannot do and what religion will not do. And he took our place. Bankrupt. So that we could have the inheritance we lost. I don't know if you're grateful today, but I'm, I sure am grateful. I sure am. That's why we sing the way we sing. And that's why I preach the way I preach. And that's the, why we, that's the reason we pray the way we pray. And that's the reason why a year ago we moved here to plant this church, not because we want to be the best church or the cool church or the new church, but because this city needs more churches that will tell that story, that will tell this gospel, that will tell you you can come home today and you can find grace in the Father's arms. Anybody grateful for the grace of Jesus? Come on. Oh, go ahead. Clap your hands and shout. Hey, come up. So, so now he's extending the inheritance. (laughs) You know, it's actually called salvation. It's called the inheritance of the saints. Because he let us in on it. Didn't have to. And maybe today you feel lost. Today you can be found. And maybe you feel dead. Today you can find new life. And maybe today you've been trusting your own good works and what you can do and how you're, yeah, I make mistakes, but I'm not like them. Maybe it's time to stop all that. Put your faith in Jesus. So maybe you walked in this room and you said, I know I'm lost. Cool. Or maybe 
Maybe you just found out you were lost. Either way, there's room around the fire. There's a place for you. The old preachers used to say, there's room at the cross for you. And there is. Would you to bow your head and close your eyes if that's you right now and you say, Jabin, I need Jesus.